1: All sin is an abomination, okay? Whether you're a fornicator, whether you're a heterosexual fornicator, a a young man and a young girl outside of marriage getting together, that's sin. Homosexuality is sin. So is extortion. So is lying. So is stealing. All these things are wicked, right? But notice what God says. He's not going to, we're not going to leave this up to public opinion. This is what the Bible says. Write these down. You're going to need to know them. Leviticus 18, verse 22 and 23. It says, God spoke to the children of Israel. He said, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman.
0: Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, Bring out the man who came to your house, that we may know him carnally. The request was the same made by the homosexuals who surrounded the house of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. The picture is clear. During the time of the judges, Israel was as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah. Though the perverted men of Gibeah were clearly guilty, so were the Levite and the host of the home they clearly should have been willing to sacrifice themselves before their daughters and companions. Here is an example of how God uses his word to show us the nature of our sin. Now let's join Pastor Rob.
1: Back now to verse 22. It says, and they were enjoying themselves and suddenly certain men of the city hearing and this is in Gebe, I remember, in Benjamin, these this man and his concubine and his servant it says suddenly certain men of the city perverted men and these were literally men of Belial. These were wicked men. They were, um, they were homosexual men. They surrounded the house and they beat on the door and they spoke to the master of the house, the old man saying, bring out the men who came to your house that we may know him carnally. Wow, this is almost like a carbon copy of what we read in, in, in uh, Genesis. Where did they learn that from? Did they even know the word of God, these Benjamites in Gabeah? Maybe they had heard something about this, and maybe their, their conscience were so seared that they decided, you know what, we're going to do the same thing. We don't care. Nothing has stopped us this far. We're going to go all the way. See how honest the Bible is? That may scare you, but I would imagine for all of us in this room, adults, we can say, this is, this is the real world, and it's going to become more of the real world as time goes on. We're seeing it in some cities already. We're just not hearing about it on the news so much. There's so much news. That's why it's so important that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. But he brings this to our attention to show us, this is who you are apart from me. This is what you're capable of apart from me. And aren't you glad tonight that you are in Christ? I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad he's got a hold of me, and I'm so glad he's got a hold on you. Such a blessing to be a Christian today, isn't it? We've got, such, we've got the best. It is truly a remarkable thing. So certain men of the city, perverted men, they surrounded the city, they beat on the door, and they wanted to know the man carnally. And so these men were homosexuals. And does God condemn homosexuality? Yes, he does. In our culture today, nobody wants to talk about it. It's a taboo topic. You'll be branded and, and uh, uh, canceled if you even bring it up. But this is what the Word of God says about homosexuality. And I think it's important that you write these scriptures down because, folks, if you don't know these and don't have them written down, what are you going to say when somebody says, well, I love my partner. He's been with me, you know, for three years, and, you know, we're husband and husband. Or we're wife and wife, or whatever it is, whatever confusion. All sin is an abomination, okay? Whether you're a fornicator, whether you're a heterosexual fornicator, a a young man and a young girl outside of marriage getting together, that's sin. Homosexuality is sin. So is extortion. So is lying. So is stealing. All these things are wicked, right? But notice what God says. He's not going to, we're not going to leave this up to public opinion. This is what the Bible says. Write these down. You're going to need to know them. Leviticus 18, verse 22 and 23. It says, God spoke to the children of Israel. He said, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. You got the idea, don't you? It's an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal. This is called bestiality. That's why I put the proviso on the service tonight, because we're going to be talking about this stuff. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. And these are things that make us blush, or at least they ought to. But in the culture we live in today, this hardly bounces off. It just bounces Ah, whatever, you know. doesn't bother anybody. Leviticus chapter 20, write this down. Verses 10 through 13. Notice. There's a lot of sins that are mentioned in this chapter, but we'll just highlight uh, these first four verses, or the uh, verses 10 through 13. It says, The man who commits adultery, this is a heterosexual couple, male and female, who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. Now remember, this is the law. Jesus, when he came He saw a woman who was caught in adultery, and he extended grace to her. And did it change her life? Yes, it did. She probably got saved as a result of that, and it changed her forever. He didn't exact the death penalty, but this is what it was. This is God's standard. So who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife? The adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. Here it is again. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. How much clearer could it be And yet, many people say, where is it in the Bible that it says that homosexuality is wrong? That's not the only place. We don't have time to go there, but read Romans. Read Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, an Old Testament declaration of this. See, I'm not homophobic. I'm not homophobic. I'm not afraid of fornicators. I'm not afraid of homosexuals. I'm not afraid of idolaters. I'm not afraid of extortioners. I'm not afraid of liars or thieves because such were some of me before I came to Christ. I'm not afraid. Neither should we. we, we this, is, this is the way it is. This is the truth. This is the word of God. And we need to pay attention. You all pay attention, but there's a world out there that does not know what I'm showing you right now. They think it's okay. Well, you can have your opinion, but is your opinion based upon fact? Isn't that what an opinion really is? And I'm really being challenged about this recently. However, let me say this. An opinion ought to be based upon the best facts possible. If it's really going to be a good opinion. I've got some lousy opinions, my wife can tell you. um, Because I know that there's some work I need to do. However, on this, I'm done. I can say this with 100% accuracy. With every ounce of me, I can say this is the truth. And God loves you enough to tell you the truth. He does. Be thankful for that. Be thankful for the truth. You know, Billy Joel wrote a song in the, in the 80s, Honesty. I hate to bring up a secular song, but it just hit me. Honesty, such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Honesty, it's hardly ever heard, but mostly what I need from you. Isn't honesty important and does god is he honest with us i think he is he's dreadfully honest with us you do this this is what happens but he also said because you did this if you receive my son i no longer see your sin my the son of the blood of my son covers all of that that's also true right and that's where we are folks that's a wonderful thing so and why is this important as we look at this why is it important there's a tragic scripture in the very beginning of Judges. I'm going to read it to you. I'll have you write it down. It's Judges chapter two, verses seven through eleven. Let me read it to you. Judges chapter two, verses seven through eleven. And this is why this is important to us. Right after the children of Israel came in and into the land of Canaan and they were they divided up their land, God told them. He says, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' successor, the servant of the Lord, he died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance in timnath Harez in the mountains of Ephraim, uh, of... Uh, mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gaash, when all, and notice, here's the, the sad part, verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them that did not know the Lord nor the work which God had done for Israel. And then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. They served all of the idols in the land. This is where we're at in our country right now. As people have gone on, If a family, if a mother and father don't tell the gospel and and read the Bible to their kids, their kids aren't going to know. And then their kids are going to have kids. And pretty soon, it's, it's only a generation away, and then pretty soon the parents are no longer even talking about the Lord anymore. So how important is it for us to tell our kids, to tell your grandkids, the wonderful things that God has done in your life? Talk about what he's done in your life, what you've seen him do. Talk to them about what the Word of God, the the truth of the Word of God. You're old enough, you've seen it in action. We've all experienced the power of the Word of God in our lives. We share that with our kids. And you know what? When we do, they're going to remember. And we get into the Word with them. 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour, whatever you can, every day, when you can. And then you know what they're going to do? When they have kids, they're going to pull out that little kids bible while their kids are one one year old, two year old, they're going to start reading to them the history. They're going to start reading the bible to them. But what happens if we don't do that? Chances are they won't do it either and it just keeps degrading and degrading and that's where we're at today, folks. There's kids who've never heard of the name Jesus Christ except as a swear word and even then people have forgotten about Jesus so much. He's not even a swear word anymore. Back in the 60s and 70s, people used to say that. they hit their hammer and they'd scream his name. Now they don't even say that. But the man, verse 23, the master of the house, he went out to them and he said, No, my brother, and notice how familiar it is with Genesis 19. I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter. And the man's concubine, let me bring them out to you. Humble them and do with them as you please. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. See, I don't understand that. That's a part of my, because we live in a different culture, we are brought up completely different. But this culture, they really held that, obviously, right? To a very high esteem. I don't think I could do it. I wouldn't take my daughter out, my virgin daughter, to a bunch of animals out in the street. Wouldn't do it. I don't care. Let them say what they might. But the men would not heed them. So the men took his concubine. The man took his concubine. Notice, this was, remember, she was the one that had played the harlot against him, right? She, he took her out to them. And he says, he brought her out to them, and they knew her. And they abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. So here is a horrible picture. I don't even need to go into it. Horrible picture. And notice something here, too. It it appears that only the concubine... I mean, honestly, I wish it was neither of these ladies. But notice how the Lord preserved the virgin daughter of this man. There's no mention of her being let out. He offered her, but did she actually go out? Did it actually come to that? No. The concubine, who had already played the harlot, she was the one, and, and I wish it hadn't even happened to her either. Do you get my point? It's a horrible thing. So the woman, then the woman came as the day was dawning and she fell down at the door. So they've been abusing her all night. Now the, the the light starts to come up in the morning. She's there at the door of the man's house where her master was. Still it was light. Her master arose in the morning and he opened the door of the house and he went out to go his way it's like he didn't even seem to have a regard of where she was all night maybe he knew where he was and just conveniently forgot I don't know and there was his concubine falling at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold and he said to her get up let's be going that's a really nice guy come on woman it's time to go camping you packed the car yet? do you load the stuff on the camels yet? what's wrong with you? what have you been doing all night? (laughs) can you hear him? He said, get up and let's be going, but there was no answer. So he lifted her up onto the donkey, and the man got up and went to his place. He drove donkey back home to the mountains of Ephraim with his dead concubine on the donkey. There was no helping her. There was no remorse, seemingly. A very strange arrangement. He seemed to care for her, to go fetch her. But now that he's got her, and after all of this happens to her, she's dead on the, on, the, on, the, on the donkey, and there seemed to be no concern you know, sometimes, the, you know, when you look at the animal kingdom and you see how vicious it is, you know, and you think about human nature, we're well, really no different. Apart from Christ, we're just as nasty as the animals in the animal world, how how horrible they are. In fact, I think they're even worse. People have the ability to do more strange and wicked stuff to people. It's horrible what people do to people. A lion doesn't even think about doing any, anything but a gazelle, but grabbing it by its neck and then, and then suffocating it until it dies, and then eating it. That's what he does. But a person has so many ways to hurt someone else. It's a horrible, horrible world. Man is truly evil. Is there any good within us apart from Christ? Aren't you glad you came tonight? <laughs> you know, we're talking about all this really heavy stuff, and it's, it's here. It's in the Bible. And what is this meant to do? To, 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 to discourage us? No. You know why the Lord tells us? He tells us because he loves us. He says, apart from me, this is what human beings can be like. And when he redeems a soul, isn't it wonderful? When he redeems a person, what he does, how he cleanses you, how he takes your life and completely changes you, and now your life is a real blessing. Your life is it's really valuable. It's really valuable. So when he entered his house, notice he took a knife, Now, I warned you about this chapter. After this chapter, things are going to get a lot better, sort of, until we get to the end of the book of Judges. He entered entered his house, he took a knife, and he took hold of his concubine. He divided her in 12 pieces, limb by limb, and he sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And it was so that all who said it said, No such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. So what does this man do? He takes her. He, she's already dead. He takes her. He divides her up into 12 pieces. He gets FedEx on the phone, and he drops off these packages to these different places. They open up the package expecting to see something. They find part of this woman with a note attached. This is what the men of Gabea did to me and my concubine that incites the whole, all the children of Israel. They get really uptight. They come, and we're going to look in chapter 20 next week. We'll finish the book of, of Judges next week. And we're going to see how all of Israel comes against Benjamin, against a specific city in Benjamin, this town of Gabeah, these men who were responsible, probably a handful of men that were really responsible. We're going to see... The horrific thing that happens as a result. And this is the worst. This is one of the worst times. And don't be discouraged. This is a really tough chapter. That's why I put on the message before tonight. I mentioned about what I did. It's really a difficult chapter. But we have to take it and we have to look at it. And let it drive everything out of us that's evil. You know, there's there's nothing Worse than to think that these things are not, can't possibly happen. They do. We don't always know ourselves. God knows us, and I'm so glad that in Christ he knows me. He's always known you and me. But nothing had been done. So, so much evil had been happening. And this is the worst. This is Israel at its worst. And so we'll finish the next uh, two chapters, and and at least this graphic part of the of the part of, of this book is over. And I'm really thankful. It can only take so much of that. But let it let us learn something from this, though too. You know, the, anybody seen that um, that commercial many years ago? This is your brain, and this is your brain on drugs. <laughs> It's kind of the way it is. This is who you are apart from me. This is what you're capable of doing apart from me. Or the, oh, I'm sorry. This is This is who you are that I've made you to be normal and healthy. And this is what you are apart from me. Totally something that God has not designed for you. So let's stand together and let's pray. And again... The Bible says that these things are written for us. What? For our nurture, for our admonition, for our learning, to instruct us in righteousness. And you may be saying to yourself, wow, that really, that's really ugly. And it is. It really is. You know, you look at other chapters in, in the Bible when, when Paul begins to read those areas of our flesh that need to be crucified. And they're equally as ugly. They're just not as detailed as we read tonight. But let it let it and this is why the gospel is so important folks because even though you may not have been this wicked and done anything this despicable before before you knew Jesus in our hearts we are capable of doing horrible things and it's important to understand that i need i need to have Jesus in my life i need the spirit of god to completely Take me over. Are you afraid of that? Some people are. They're afraid to let the Spirit of God have everything. There's nothing to be afraid of. I want the Spirit of God to consume me. Would you join with me and and be challenged by that if you haven't already? Let the Lord challenge you and say, Lord, is there any part of me that I am not willing to give to you? And would you give it to him? that you could be truly a Christ one. You could be the one that God can use to reach a world that is lost in its sin, dead in its trespasses. Are you willing to do that? I want, I want that, don't you? And so let's pray and ask him to do it even more. Father, we, we, we come before you tonight, Lord, and uh, honestly, I'm glad this chapter is done. <laughs> but Lord, I'm, I'm very much aware of the type of person I was before Christ. And Lord, the truth of the matter is is that there are many people that are around us, all around us, family included, Father, that do not know you, that are enemies of God, and yet you love them, but they must come to you, Lord. Help us to be the ambassadors. Help us to be the examples. Help us to love people the way you love people, Lord. Help us to be compassionate, with those who are uncompassionate help us to love lord those who are unlovable lord help us to rise above the hatred that's going on in our country right now help us to rise way way above it and love each other regardless of political affiliations regardless regardless of opinions about certain things help us to rise above all of it lord because that's what you've called us to do you've called us to be worshipers of you you've called us to be ambassadors Lord, we want to do that tonight. Would you please, Lord, take more of us right now than you've ever taken before, if there's any part of us. Lord, help us not to be afraid. You are the great shepherd. You're the the gentle shepherd who leads the sheep. So lead us, Lord, and take us. Consume us in your love, God. May we be those who love you and love others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.